Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. How's it going, everybody? Happy New Year. You guys having a good weekend so far? Uh, Man, it is... uh, Who would have thought it would have been the coldest day of the year on the last day of the year, right? Um, I woke up this morning and uh, went to sunrise service uh, at 7 o'clock in the morning, and it was like 39, 40 degrees, which is wild. And uh, I almost thought, it was like, man, for Florida, that's almost like we talk about canceling it. Who's coming out? Um, But we went from... Last week, we almost had like 60 people at our sunrise service, which was really cool, uh, to this week, we had like 18. So <laughs> it was quite a drop off because of the temperature, but that, that's all right. Uh, uh, I did have like 18 people come up and give me a hard time that I wasn't wearing flip-flops. I almost made it a whole year, guys, almost, almost a whole year, uh, but I couldn't do it. It's a little too, a little too chilly, but uh, man, I hope that uh, you guys are spending time with your family and... Uh, you know, getting around a fire somewhere tonight or something and warming up and still making some good memories. Hope you had a great Christmas. Um, the Nichols family and I, we had a fantastic Christmas. Uh, got to watch kids uh, open presents. We got family that came over. We went to our family's house. No one went to jail this year, so that was good. Um, but uh, all in all, it was a, it was a fantastic way to celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus. And so I hope you had a good Christmas. One of my favorite things or my f- favorite thing to watch during Christmas is these kids open these presents. Man, they open up stuff from Santa and from their parents and, you know, the, the look of surprise on their face and how much joy they get out of uh, opening up these little, these little gifts and stuff like that is really, really fun. And uh, as I think back on it, I, I rem- it, there's quite the tie-in to what we are remembering today. The fact that tomorrow is a new year, it's a new season, it's a new day. Um, I can't help but think that it's a gift for us. Today, uh, I hope you spend time reflecting on 2023. Uh, for you, it might have been a great year. For some people, it might have been uh, a, a very um, tense year, or maybe, maybe there's a lot of, of uh, trials that you went through. Maybe there's some frustrations. Uh, maybe it was a season of new life and, and birthing something new. Uh, whatever it was, I think it's, it's uh, a good opportunity to stop, look back on it, and uh, thank God uh, for where you're at even right now. Um, I remember as we think of these gifts that uh, this next year we have is a gift in itself. There's something about starting something new. We all like new things, right? Uh, anyone here ever bought a new car before? I, I did it one time, uh, signing the papers. That wasn't fun. But the getting in it and smelling the new car smell, right? Everybody loves the new car smell. Or even getting in a house, even if it's just new to you, right? A new house, everyone's excited about that. I remember as a kid going to a new school, super exciting. A new year, I think, breathes the same excitement in me today. So I'm excited for what 2024 holds for us. I believe that the best is still yet to come. Today, I want to talk primarily, I don't, I'm not in a sermon series or anything like that. Uh, this is just going to be a one-off. 
next week, though, I'm starting a brand new collection of talks. You're not going to want to miss it called What's Next? We're talking about our spiritual journey uh, as individuals and as a church. I believe the theme for this year is that we are called to grow individually but also as a community. And that starts, I believe, spiritually. And so we're going to go through the, the next four weeks and talk about how we can identify our spiritual gifts, how we can uh, operate as the church should operate in our community. And we're going to uh, figure out what are the next steps that we need to take for us personally to get where God's trying to get us to go here in 2024. I'm also really excited because as we do this What's Next series, we're going to have uh, a small group that goes along with it. And so not starting next week, but the following week, we're going to be doing a small group uh, at 7 o'clock, or no, not 7 o'clock in the morning, hold up, 9 o'clock in the morning, right before service here at uh, a church. We're going to be meeting uh, in this room off to our side here, and we're going to be doing uh, a small Bible study. And so if you're interested in being a part of that, if you're interested in, in identifying spiritual gifts, if you're interested in growing spiritually, man, this is a great place to begin. It's going to be 9 o'clock uh, right over here uh, before service starts. But today, as we look at this next year and the gift that it is, I think one of the things that is important for us to remember and understand is that first things matter. I don't, I don't have a title or anything like that for, for today's sermon, but if there was one idea or one thought, whatever comes first, the things that we prioritize and put first in our lives matter greatly. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to jump into it. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would show us very clearly what we should be pushing towards here in this next year of 2023. God, I thank you so much for how you've showed up and gotten us through uh, this past year of 2023 as we look forward to the year of 2024 ahead. Father, I pray that as we put you first, as we, as we look into our lives and, and as we allow you to mold us and shape us and change us and help us grow, take our next steps, as you show us what's next, God, I believe the best is still yet to come, and I thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, a couple weeks ago, I got with uh, my kids. This was probably, actually probably a month ago. Um, got with my kids, and um, I don't know if you know this about the Nichols. I've talked about this quite a bit from the stage, but the Nichols are very competitive as a family. Like, it's, it can get bad. Like, I'm going to tell you what, when it comes to card games, it's like someone could bleed by the end of it. You know, we play board games, and it's like there's gonna, somebody's going to get roundhouse kicked to the head if they don't watch themselves. We're very competitive people. Um, we love, as a family, we really enjoy racing. We watch NASCAR. It's kind of weird, you know, we're this, like, beach fan. We love hanging out on the beach and being on the water, but there's this, like, little line of redneck that runs through us, and we can't get away from, from guys going fast and turning left. I don't know what, is it, what it is, but we just love it. Uh, me and my wife watch it a lot. Um, there's a lot of competition in that. My kids also, they're, they're starting to get into it, which is really cool. And my youngest son, Ben, he's six, seven years old, seven years old. Uh, man, he just keeps getting older and older. It's crazy how that happens, right? Um, but he loves racing, and so we had this idea. It was like, man, we're going to go, and we're going to go go-kart riding, right? How many of you guys remember doing that as a kid? Maybe you did it. Some of you guys maybe did it as an adult. Uh, when I got in the go-karts this time, I remembered the go-karts being a lot bigger than what they are right now. It was a little bit of a tight go tight fit to, for, uh, for the old go-kart. Um, but we went, and, and Ben, I remember for at least a couple days, was excited. he was talking about it, he was excited, he's ready. And we're waiting in line, and 
as, we, as he gets on the go-kart, he gets to be the first one in line. And he's grinning from ear to ear like a, like a fox eating yellow jackets, man. He is just so just happy about, uh, about what's going to happen. And they let all the kids loose. They let the parents go loose with him. And I'm watching him on the outside, and I see Ben, and he's smiling. He's gripping the wheel, and he hits the gas, and he floors it around the corner. And as he gets around, I expect to see him first, but I don't see him first. One kid comes by, another kid comes by, third kid comes by, and then here's Ben. Ben started off with a big smile. He's not super happy now. He's like still, he's still on it, but he's not super happy. And after about five or six laps, that kid had been lapped three or four times, and by the end of it, this was not a fun day for Ben. Ben had got the, the unfortunate case of getting the slow go-kart. You, everybody, everybody knows that in the go-kart race, there's always that one that's like messed up or whatever. Here, my son Ben got it. And when he comes off the go-kart, he steps out of the racetrack. And a time that he thought it was going to be fantastic fun and he was going to whoop everybody's tail, he just crumbled into my arms in a puddle of tears, brokenhearted because he wasn't first, because he wasn't second. And in that moment, I, I realized being first matters. There's a difference. In the, the words of the great theologian Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last, right? Luckily enough, I had the great opportunity to teach my son that day the importance of getting back on a horse once it bucks you off, of, of getting back into things even though you've had a tough time with it. And he got back on it. He's had a great time, and I'm sure he's going to talk me into taking him to go-karts here this next week or the following. But what's first definitely matters in life. When it comes to uh, our, our relationships with our spouses, we want to be first. I remember the day that uh, uh, as Erica and I had been hanging out with one another, we were very good friends and she always had the, she, she, for about a couple, at least a, a month or two, we had the, the friend talk where she would sit me down and say, Brian, we're just friends, right? I said, yes, ma'am, we're just, we're just friends. And I would lie to her every time. And finally, one day she told me, she said, Brian, you know, I just want to let you know that this other guy has asked me out on a date. And your boy couldn't lie no more. Your boy got real serious. I did confessed my love for Erica, and I told her, I want to be number one in your life, and I want to protect you, and I want to provide for you the rest of my life. And I don't know how it worked, but it did. There is a God. Being first is important. I think when it comes to our relationship with God, God very much wants to be first in our lives. When it comes to the relationship that we're supposed to have with him, he doesn't want to be second. He doesn't want to play second fiddle to anyone. He wants to be first. So much so he communicates it to us in the very early parts of the Bible. As Moses has taken the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage, as they experience freedom and they're headed towards the promised land, as Moses is going to God and saying, hey, give us Give us a way on how we should live. What's the way that we can be successful? What's the way that we can experience the promise that you have for us? One of the very first things that he tells Moses, as he puts it in, on these, these blocks of rock, these Ten Commandments, he delivers it to Moses. He says this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. He says, you must not have any other gods but me. 
In the New Living Translation, or in the NIV Translation, it, can, it communicates something just a little bit different, but the same thought. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. God's saying clearly to you and I, he's saying clearly to the Israelites, and he says, when it comes to life, I want to be number one. I don't want anything to be before me when it comes to me and you. We live in a world today where when I read this, I don't just think of gods as other deities that people worship. I also think about the things that we spend. I I, I believe that if you want to talk about the things that we care about, you got to look at one or two things. You got to look at how much money we spend on it. You got to look how much time we spend with it. I think it's real easy to allow things in our lives to become lords over us, to be the God over us. How much time we spend on our cell phone, how much time we spend in social media, how much time we spend at work. God says, man, when it comes to your life, I, I want your relationship, me and you, to be close enough that, that this is the first thing, that, that our relationship is priority. God wants to be first in your life. Jesus continues to communicate this when he teaches his disciples and also when he's teaching us through uh, the words of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew records Jesus saying this. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, meaning God's, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying if, if you will do this first, if you'll, uh, aside from outside of worrying and it's outside of work and caring what people think about you, if you'll first focus on the, your relationship with him, everything else will fall in line. Heard a fantastic message by a man named Robert Morris. Uh, and if you, you can find a bunch of stuff on YouTube. He's got a couple books he's written and stuff. He's a very smart man. Uh, but I, I remember reading this or hearing this at some point. He said, if God is first in your life, everything else can come into order. If, if, God, if you'll put God first, everything else will come into order. So in this new year, if you were to sit back and reflect on last year and, and make a plan for the year to come, the first thing I think you need to do is figure out what comes first. And when it comes to the, these time periods that we've been given, I think that, that specifically we can put God first in every single one of them. And so the first thing I think that is important for you to understand is that, that daily you should put God first. Specifically, the way that happens is through prayer. I, I know we live in a world so easy to wake up and, and look, at, look at our phone first thing. But I think as much as we want to see what's going on in the world, God's there saying, like, hey, I want to know what's going on with you. Hey, I, I want you to hear what I have for you into this day. I think there's something important about us saying, God, today is your day. You do what, what you want to do in my life. Because if we can operate daily on that foundation, then everything else will work itself out. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Here, clearly, the Apostle Paul, as he's writing to the church, is saying, in life, in humanity, you'll want to worry first, and you need to adjust what's first in your life. 
when, when the, the struggle comes up, you have an opportunity. You can worry first, but that won't change anything. What about if you change it and you say, I'm going to pray about this first. God, what should happen in this area of my life? God, I've got, I've got to pay these bills, but I'm looking at my bank account and I don't have it. What should I do? God, I'm, I'm at a place where, where my husband uh, or my wife doesn't, doesn't want anything to do with me or there's, we, we feel like there's separation. What, we have a choice. We can sit here and worry about it or we can pray about it. Here the Apostle Paul says, pray first. I think daily you have an opportunity to wake up and put God first in your life. Don't miss the opportunity. Secondly is uh, weekly we have an opportunity to put God first. Man, I don't think that it is uh, by chance that we get together every Sunday, the, the beginning of the week, before anything else helps, happens in the week, we get together and we worship with one another, we connect with one another, we do church, we are the church together at the first part of the week. And I think when we do it, there is a spiritual adjustment that happens in us that prepares us for the week to come. I think it's something that, that it's, it's easy for us to lose sight of. It's easy to say, oh, we're going to watch online, which no offense to anybody watching online right now. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to give you a hard time or anything like that. But I think it's important to get up and get our families and come to church and do church with one another. And I believe that it has repercussions. It affects the week to come. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 5 says this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's, it's, it's communicating to a community of people. It's not saying, hey, you know, it's not saying one person. It's saying a group of people, saying Israel. For us, it would be saying, hey, Coastline. If you're part of Coastline Church, you need to understand God wants to be first in your week. Verse 5, it says, love the Lord God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. I got a, a, a dear friend in my life uh, who uh, I've never given, I never give anybody a hard time for not going to church. I give this guy a hard time for going, not going to church. Not Only because I love him. Because I know that if, if that's something he'll do in the beginning of his week, if, if, if he'll say, God, I'm putting you first, in this part of my week, I know God's going to show up in the rest of his week. And I, I don't care so much about, about seeing him showing up as much as I want to see God work in some people's lives later on in the week outside of the 70 minutes that we meet together here as a church. I want to see God show up in your life outside of just a church service. But I think what you put, do first matters. What you put out first matters. I think we got to put God first daily. I think we got to put God first weekly. I think we got to put first put God first monthly. At the beginning of every month, I uh, <clears throat> at some point, Eric and I got to sit down. We got to pay all our bills. There's a lot that goes out. There's a rent payment that goes out. There's there's a car payment. There's insurance. There's life insurance. And by the end of it, you're like. Man, there ain't, a whole, there ain't a whole lot left to be putting out. There ain't a whole lot to work with when it's, when it's all said and done. At some point in our lives, we realize that when it comes to doing all this, 
before we get into any of it, we've got to, we're going to give God what's God's first. I believe that everything I have, God's given me. Every dollar that comes into my account, every, every job I do, even outside of the church, I believe that God has given me opportunity to, to be a part of it. I, I believe that that's how he provides for me. And one of the things he wants to see me do is trust him. In this area that so many people value so much, he wants to see us trust him in this one area and to do it first. I remember the day in, before I even started working at a church, the day in which it clicked with me that God doesn't want to see me do this, pay this bill, pay this bill, pay this bill, and then out of the, the little bit I got left, give him the 10%. He wants to see me do it first. And when I switched that in my mind, it was like this miraculous thing that changed my life. Because all of a sudden, the, the way the kingdom finance works is completely different than our, our physical finance. And after I trusted God with this, it was like everything fit together to a point where it's like, man, I couldn't even plan this beyond, I couldn't have planned this out ahead of time. God shows up when we put him first. I'm telling you this from my own, own experience. And, and every time the church speaks about finances, I know that there's someone skeptical that sits in there, it sits in the crowd and thinks, man, the church, here it goes again, it just wants my money. Man, I hope, I hope you know my heart that, that I don't want anything from you. Our church, our church doesn't want anything from me. I want something for you, and I think that this is an area in which I've experienced so much freedom in my life because I put God first in it. And as I see so many people struggle, the tensions of having to deal with this area of their life, but as, as a friend, as a brother in Christ, as, as someone who loves and cares about you, I want to tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. Trust in God first. Let that be the first thing, one of the first things you do. I promise you, it'll change your life. Last thing is this, and this is kind of where I, where I want to hang my hat. Before that, real quick, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 to 10 says this. says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then you will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. I don't have any barns and know nothing about harvesting grain. I'm going to tell you right now. And I don't have, I might have a bottle of wine at home, but that's about it. I don't have, I don't, I don't got, if I brought in a vat of anything, my wife would say, you're stupid. But I have seen God show up in the other areas and capacity that I do have. And it always happens after I choose him first. The fourth thing, the last thing I want to draw your attention to is I believe that we've got to choose God first yearly. Today I want to let you know that uh, starting next week, next Sunday, our church is going through 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is something we did last year. It's something we'll probably do for uh, the next years to come until the Holy Spirit changes something up. Fasting, if you don't know what it is, is this, is this part in our lives in which we make the choice to pull away from something. Specifically in the Bible, it talks about in the Old Testament and New Testament, food, of stepping away from food, this thing that brings us nourishment, this thing that gives us strength, the thing that gives us comfort, stepping away from that, specifically for the purpose of drawing nearer to God. And it, it, it's kind of weird because you think, like, how would that do that? 
And I think it does it in a couple different ways. One of them is I feel like when we step away from those things that bring us comfort and strength and as, as it causes us to be more humble and, and, and ultimately even causes weakness in our lives, I think that there's something that, create, that, that brings down the barrier of us being able to be close to God. The best way I can illustrate this is, is I've had many people come to me before and say, Brian, I, I don't ever go to church. I've never gone to church. Um, I don't know if I believe in God. But I know that with what I'm going through right now, I need his help more than ever. It's funny how, like, when we go through hardship, when we're, we go through time of struggle, that season of tension, our spirit understands what it needs to be connected to. And so for a time to put ourselves aside is a sign of humility and say, we want to have our spirit connected to him more. I think it's an important start to our year. In the Bible, it talks about fasts. There's, uh, uh, there's uh, one-day fasts, three-day fasts, seven-day fasts, and there's a couple times in the Bible there's 40-day fasts. Specifically, we see Jesus do, this, do a 40-day fast, which is no food or anything for 40 days, which is a remarkable feat. Jesus does this, uh, and it's recorded in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. What's important for you to understand is this is right after he's baptized by John the Baptist and right before he starts his ministry. The first thing that he does is take this time of fasting and goes and connects with the Holy Spirit. He allows himself to, to become in tune, to, to go through a time of hardship so that he can draw closer. And it'll, he knows it'll prepare him for what is to come. With all the miracles that Jesus did, with all the things that, that we saw happen in his life, I know that part of it is because of what the Holy Spirit did in him during this time of prayer and fasting. Joel chapter 1, verse 14 says this, it says, Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Man, I think for 2024, there's so many things that we need to be praying for, things that we need to be delivering or surrendering to God for. Some of our marriages, maybe, maybe during this time of the next 21 days starting on the 7th, maybe for 21 days you, you fast and pray specifically for your marriage. Maybe it's for a loved one. Maybe it's for someone who's far from Christ. Maybe it's for a health situation that you're dealing with. Maybe it's for, for vision for what's to come, for the plan of, of you and your family. Maybe it's for a, a job situation or a financial security. Maybe you're fasting because you're fighting with sin and addiction. I believe that so many things can happen. Freedom can happen through fasting and prayer. And I think in this year, it's important that this is one of the first things that we do. Matthew chapter 6, verse 17 and 18 says, But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except for your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. One thing for us to understand is there's a reward that comes through fasting. 
Here, this is what Jesus communicates. He said, there's a reward at the end of it. But he says very clearly that it's not about what the people around you see. It's not about getting week two of the fast and be like, man, I'm just miserable. And I remember last year at some point, Erica came to me, and I'm just going to be transparent for a second. She came to me and she says, hey, baby, I know we're, we've been fasting for a couple of weeks, but, but you're getting pretty irritable, and I don't think that's the purpose of what fasting is supposed to be. She was 100% right. At some point, I had, to, I had to look into me and say, man, this is something, this is between me and God. This isn't something that should affect my family. And those times when I'm feeling hungry, those times when I'm feeling weak, it's a draw, an opportunity for me to reconnect to him. When it comes to fasting, many times it has to do with food, but it can be anything. Uh, there's people that uh, you, maybe you think about fasting, uh, social media. Maybe you come off Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and whatever else the new thing is that I'm too old to understand now. Maybe, maybe you take three weeks and say, you know what, I'm going to put that aside for the beginning of this week or beginning of this year. For some of us, it needs to be a, maybe, maybe you're fasting sweets. Maybe you're, maybe you're fasting like I'm not going to for the next, you know, I'm not drinking anything for the next month. For, for me and, and Erica and the staff, well, a lot of us are going to be doing the Daniel fast, which is pretty much that we eat uh, fruits and vegetables for these next, these next three weeks. You know, it's funny, I was talking to my kids this past, uh, actually last night about this, and trying to un- help a seven-year-old understand what fasting is, and Ben's like, so can I fast cleaning my room? I said, I don't think that's how it is. If that's the case, I've been fasting going to the gym for a couple years now. I want to leave you with this as the band comes up. I want you to remind you of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We've already said it a second ago. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What you do first matters. And this next year, I think what we do in these 21 days of prayer and fasting will set the tone for the next however many weeks that we're going into. We've got 11 months after this that God's going to use Coastline Church to minister to New Smyrna Beach. 11 months that God's going to use you to pastor and lead your family, your little ones, your spouse. For all that we're going to go through, man, I, my hope is in Christ and Christ alone. And I believe that he has some great plans for us in 2024. But we're going to give the first of it to him. We're going to say, man, we care about our relationship with you first. You have your way. And I hope that in this time that he ministers to you. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.